Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, folks. Welcome back to Lace Mountain Westwater Football Podcast. We are recapping a full week. Well, 98% full week, Matt, here. Because Colorado State had a bye week. MWR.com. You can find all of our recaps, which are up by now. Bowl predictions, winners and losers. Also brought back the five words recap, because that's kind of fun. And see what people decide to have fun with that and see how that goes. But week two is here. Is over, I should say. Your team survived, Matt. Congratulations on your first State Bulldogs. Thank you. You a victory. And it was a uh, – this weekend, there's some sad faces around town, right? Can we say that? Is that easy to say? Definitely, definitely interesting where, you know, in some cases there was really not a lot of drama in some wins and some losses. And then in other corners of the Mountain West, there was definitely lots of drama and lots of angst, lots of joy in some particular cases. So you get, you know, on the one hand, you know, it's it's good to have 11 games to be able to recap. And there was like one instance, I think it was around like, you know, like seven or eight o'clock out here where there was like seven, there was like five different games going on at the same time. Yeah, that, like- that's what this is all about. Like, that's yeah. that's why I love doing this stuff. Yeah, the late afternoon window. I was enthralled. We'll get to all these games, but I was enthralled by Sam Houston to the Air Force. I told you. I'm not quite, though. I told you it'd be tough. I thought the Air Force would pull away, but we'll get that later. They did, barely. We had, oh, Idaho, <laughs> Nevada, Utah State. We'll get to all that. But let's start, as we do, chronological order in a blowout game, but they covered, like we said they would, Michigan 35, UNLV 7, where the Rebels did score a late fourth quarter touchdown to avoid getting shut out versus the Wolverines who just kind of did what they wanted to with J.J. McCarthy, um, Blake Corum. Those were the two leaders of that team who had all five of their touchdowns for the Wolverines early. It just kind of threw out. just kind of the slow slow burn, 7-0, 21-0. You're, you're forgetting Roman Wilson who caught those two J.J. McCarthy touchdowns. I know. Okay, so, well, okay, sorry. Let me include everybody who scored points. Apologies. I was going off the quarterback. <laughs> most importantly. But yes, I'm just giving you a hard time. Roman Wilson, he's good. He's really good. <laughs> so that's right. What do we take away from this game? Because Doug Brumfield did 
all right. They brought in, uh, they had Jaden Mava play a bit as well. Running game got no resistance, which is not too much of a shocking versus Michigan defense. Um, it is nice. It was, like I say, only 35, but we see another teams like Nevada playing USC or even San Jose State playing USC where it give up a million points and it's not super competitive. Not that this was overly competitive, but Michigan has the offense, as we've seen by a couple of their players, that they could have mm-hmm. just uh, done more in this game if they, if they really wanted to. It's kind of a just kind of a, like, a slow burn. Like, oh, we'll, yeah, we'll score here. We may go for it on fourth down. We may do this or that and see what goes on. We may – I guess we'll punt twice or something. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, there wasn't really that much about this game that surprised me, to put it that way. Yeah, I think, I you know, Doug Brumfeld did the best he could under the circumstances, only 10 of 19, 100 yards. But, you know, when you consider that he was basically under fire from from the jump, you know, he, I believe Michigan was credited with, what, five sacks uh, among 10 tackles for loss altogether. You know, he had a couple of drops that he had to get that he was saddled with in this game. Um, and you know, in terms of like his time to throw, it was it was much less overall than usual, which I think says more about Michigan and the fact that again, they're they're the second ranked team in the country right now, if I'm not mistaken. Correct new polls out, yes. Like they they are a national tighter contender, and you you just you look down the statue, you mentioned all the all the the big names who had big games on offense, and that was equally true on defense as well. Where you know Mason Graham, the sophomore, had five tackles and a, and and a half a sack and a tackle and a half for a loss. Chris Jenkins, um, you know other guys Grant. like that. You know Kenneth Grant had a couple of TFLs and a, and a sack and a half. So it was kind of funny coming out of the game that. You know, people were pointing out that Maeva looked more comfortable and they were like sort of trying to start some kind of quarterback controversy, which oh, stop it. no sense to me whatsoever. Stop I even it. noticed that, that that Doug Brumfield's dad came out on Twitter and, and talked about how funny it was that, you know, yeah, the game did not go as UNLV fans hoped, even if it was the most likely outcome, but that it was all somehow the quarterback's fault. And to fault. me, no. to me, it sort of smacked of the same kind of conversation that I brought up. That we talked about it a little bit, I think, most clearly with Clay Millen last week, where you know when he in the, in their opener against Washington State, like he did not have time to throw, and that kind of thing can affect you in terms of your overall effectiveness. And and you know the fact that Michigan is just flat out more talented everywhere. I don't know that there's a lot of sweeping proclamations that you can make from a game like this. You sort of take your paycheck and you move on to the next one. I think we're going to learn a lot more about this Rebels team next week against Vanderbilt. Yeah, for sure. we did in this game. Yeah, I'd like to run a little bit better if it's possible, but it's hard. They're really good defensive fronts. And also the QB thing, think look at games like last year, Utah State, Alabama. Like they brought out to got Logan Bonner. If there's blowouts or versus fcs or challenging games like this mm-hmm. there's no point to risk injury from your key players like see what they can do for a half because again it's only like i say only but only 21 over halftime not, nothing insurmountable you're clearly not in the game but you're not embarrassing yourself either you're just getting suffocated yeah it's just like okay like look at their drives like what michigan had so it's like you're at right, nine plays 11 plays there isn't that they do um, on the fourth and two they do get stopped 
the only one yard game by Blake Cornham. So that's good. That's a positive there. But every drive was like 10 play drive. They had to three and out to start the second half, which is good for the Rebel defense. But then Michigan goes on and scores. There are two play, two touchdowns in the um, second half were three and four plays each. So they did make Michigan work for it a little bit for going like nine plays, 10 play drives. But nobody really, I don't believe anybody hurt. But the quarterback thing, it's like just go out there and see what you can do. I don't want to get my starter injured. And Jaden Maeva played five or seven, 68. That's respectable. And so, and then they had the touchdown. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, I mean, UNLV didn't get a ton of production on defense. Like they, it, it was pretty rough in the first half in particular. Yeah, once you have fell by a DB. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think you can give them credit for not quitting. You know, it was Jariah Williams, I believe, who had the interception in the fourth quarter. Um, after you, and this was after Michigan had put in their backups and everything like that. But I think, yeah. you know, th- that kind of effort not to simply fold when you know the other team is is sort of packing it in to some extent i think that to me is one thing that i've i were a rebels fan that to me is like the silver lining for this kind of thing you know it's 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 things are going to get better than they looked against the, the the number two ranked team in the country they will all right, so we'll move on to the next game here. Actually, uh, before before we move on, oh. though, shout out to Jordan Young Humphrey, who, who scored that lone touchdown. That's right. I would wager a guess he is probably the only Mountain West player ever to score a touchdown against both Notre Dame and Michigan. Interesting. Uh, based on who they play, I know Hawaii played both teams recently, right? Is that correct? Did Hawaii play Notre Dame? I know they played Michigan. Colorado State played Michigan. Uh, you're probably right. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there's. I wish there was an easier way to look that up, but I just don't think like, yeah, it's in in the grand scheme of things, maybe more of a fun fact than anything. Yeah. But shout out, he deserves he he deserves a a, a nod. Oh yeah, for sure. Got to touch on no, that's that's a pretty good fact fact there. Next game, San Jose State, fifty nine, Cal Poly three. Um, I want to say the uh, Spartans are probably taking out frustration after them playing Oregon State and USC, two really good teams ranked in the top. Uh, they both in top twenty, and the USC's top ten. Oregon State is uh, somewhere in that range. As yeah, well, they were but... they were running uh, onside kicks up thirty one to nothing, so they they Why? emptied the clip into the Mustangs just because. Oh my gosh, I didn't notice that part because I I saw the score of the game going. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to really tune into this one too much when it was thirty eight to three at halftime. But I guess the, my biggest takeaway this we don't spend a ton of time in this. Kyrie Robinson, there you go, thank you. Quali Conley had a, the transfer from what Utah Tech, I believe, had another solid another game. nice they game. Had, they each had two touchdowns. So that's the biggest takeaway. Like, uh, I've, how many times have we said past year or two, Kyrie Robertson, be more productive, do this, be don't get three yards to carry, two and a half yards to carry. Hey, I know it's against Kyle Paul versus um, is it just a Coach Hawkins team? Dan Hawkins is he still the head coach of the Mustangs? Uh, Davis? No, we talked about it. it's Paul Wolf now. Remember? Oh, that's right, Paul. I, it's one of the Cal schools he used to be at, but that's right, Paul Wolf, former Washington State coach. Um, but yeah, that's all defense played well, offense played well. It's a good game, like kind of a breather type game where okay, we played two of the best teams in the Pac 12, two top 20 ranked teams in that in that range, and then let's go out there and have a game and just see what we could do with Charles Ross and Malachi Miller. All these guys had really good games, but the running game was the big thing that I'm like, okay, great, five rushing touchdowns, big explosive plays. Both Robinson and Connolly combined for like 180 something, four to four touchdowns. So that's it's a good showing for the offense, the defense as well. They had okay, only they had eight TFL, a couple sacks, but they 
they did what they're supposed to do because again, I think San Jose State's a really good team in the conference. Yeah, and I think the other thing to keep in mind too is like we still have not seen this team at full strength. You know, Justin Lockhart still hasn't seen the field three games into the season. Mm-hmm. And I have to think that he's only going to make this offense better when he finally does get onto the field. Yeah, if it's one of your better wide receiver better wide receivers out there, it's only going to strengthen your team. If yeah, but, you Ross- know, I think yeah. yeah, I think for right now, like the, the whole point of this game was to like, you know, sort of cleanse the palate of, of two beatdowns against two top 20 teams and to just go out there and be dominant against a team that you should be dominant against. And so by that measure, you know, mission accomplished. Yeah, there, there's anything else. We need to spend too much time on these FCS games. Like defense shut them down, offense let it up. I would say Nick Nash getting one reception for minus three yards is not great after he scored multiple touchdowns with USC. So I'd like to see a bit more of that, but it's not concerning. It's just a little, oh, look at that. He just kind of had that one quick pass that was a tackle for loss on his part. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a big deal because, you know, the the, the Spartans still had plenty, and I mean plenty of, of chunk yardage, plenty of explosiveness against the Mustangs. You know, they had seven passing plays totaling 159 yards and eight running plays on the ground totaled 154 more. So, you know, even without Lockhart, even with Nash having a relatively quiet afternoon, you know, Sam Olson had a 27-yard touchdown. Charles Ross had a 24-yard touchdown and, and ended up having a pretty nice game overall. Kawan Bullard had a 24-yard reception. Dominic Mazzotti, you know, had a 38-yard catch. So they were able to get the tight ends involved, which was something that they hadn't really had much success doing against either the Trojans or the Beavers. So I think, you know, if you, if you look closer at sort of how the game unfolded, yeah, like it, there maybe isn't a ton to learn from 56-point margin of victory. But I think the fact that the defense showed out on the one hand and the fact that the offense was able to sort of pull things together, even while missing some some key players, to me, that I think is more in line with what I was expecting to see of San Jose State going into this year. And so while there's, you know, plenty of... of, of games left in the year. Like, who is it that they're playing next week? Uh, let me pull their schedule here. Toledo. Uh, a, yeah, they go uh, to Toledo next week. That's going to be a big game for them. Yeah, it'll be a good test. Toledo, in between, obviously, in between the competition they faced. Um, I'm not sure what Toledo's status is at the moment, how good or not good they are, but FBI currently gives the Rockets a 71% chance to win the game against Toledo, who is 1-1. One so yeah like they're they're getting into the part of the schedule with toledo and then air force and boise state coming up after that to start off conference play where we're we're going to learn very quickly what the actual talent level and the actual ceiling for the spartans team is yeah it seems like a lot different we'll get to it later but they beat texas southern who's not very good and then they lost to illinois who looked terrible versus kansas so i don't know how much why they're projected to win by that much when yeah, Illinois is not a good team. They lost 30 to 28. So, we'll see. Next game, Wyoming, Portland State, 31 17 Cowboys. This, uh, I was hoping for a little bit more for Wyoming this game. But it doesn't matter. They get a win. They're two, they are now 2 0 after beating Texas Tech, obviously. Maybe it was okay to allow the, um, Pi- uh, what's Portland State? They Pi- no, that's not, that's the Vikings. I think Portland University, they're Portland State, uh, 17 scored 17 points. I, I'm fine with it. 
you get beat up by Texas Tech. You have the weird rain, lightning, weather delay last time. You go to overtime. And I guess a good thing, Andrew Peasley, Matt, he cracked 50% by far, 11 of 16. He had a very good game. He, he did. Three touchdown passes. I, you know, I, I'm i interested in learning more about like what you hoped to see that you didn't quite see in this one. Um, defense not give up 17 points to an FCF team. That's my thought, first of all. For how good their defense I mean, is. I'm I mean, I don't know. I've, that feels like nitpicking, though. Like, well, I... I I felt better watching Wyoming in this game than I did watching them in that Northern Colorado game that they played last year. Because I felt, I felt in that game that they came out relatively flat. And I think that the overall numbers are skewed a little bit because I think it is more accurate to look at the disparity between these two teams. If you look at the first three quarters in particular, and this was something that, that Cody Tucker over at 7220 sports also mentioned how you know he was mildly disappointed that you know the Cowboys sort of let them back into the game, and that's and that's true because in the fourth quarter, Wyoming was outgained one hundred and forty-one to five. Yeah, that's you know even though even though Portland State only scored seven points, but in the three quarters before that, you know it's it's pretty hard not to make the case that Wyoming was as dominant as you would want them to be, because in the in those first three quarters, the Cowboys averaged eight point three yards per play. And allowed, you know, Portland State only three point six. You know, two turnovers, maybe not great, um, but you know the fact that they had you know three sacks in those first three quarters. You know, the offense was a lot more explosive than they looked against you know, like I said, against UNC this time last year, which I think is a credit to Peasley and I think to you know a number of their pass catchers like Ayer Asante had been relatively yeah. quiet. The Holy Cross transfer in the in the first game, but you know two receptions, including a sixty-four yard touchdown. You know if if the Cowboys can get more of that, like that, all of a sudden makes them a much more interesting team overall. And so I think if if I'm a Wyoming fan, I feel pretty good about this performance overall, even if they did let their their foot off the gas a little bit toward the end. Yeah, I'm not saying they need to win thirty-one zero or do what Utah State did. But Andrew Peasley, if he eleven to sixteen, two hundred one yards, that's like eighteen yards a catch, nineteen yards a completion, I should say. If he gets not that he'll get that range every time because that's an amazing clip for the per pass attempt or per pass catch. But if he does go eleven to sixteen and has 175 yards, 170 yards, and he ran for 40 like he did in this game, that's kind of what you want to see from him. They don't need him to do what he did in this game or even be better. It's nice. But we want to see the running game. Like Sam Scott, a solid game. DQ James is was okay for amount of carries. He had only 33 yards or 14. So I'd like to see that a little bit better. But we're like nitpicking. Like the defense had, what, seven, nine TFLs, four sacks. But my biggest thing is seeing Peasley be efficient and also explosive as a bonus. Yeah, and I think they were able to do a lot of that on first downs in particular. Like to sort of attack on on first downs in a way that we don't always see the Cowboys do, but Peasley was seven of nine in those situations for ninety nine yards. You know, on on average, the Cowboys were were earning six and a half yards per play on first downs. And again, like you know, that may not seem like a huge thing, but like to me, that is especially for a team that wants to be able to control clock with its ground game over the course of sixty minutes. If you can be 
more dangerous as a passing offense on early downs. That's going to make you a more dangerous running game, you know, later on in, 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 in more critical situations. And so I think there's a lot to like a lot of positive takeaways from, from the Cowboys, both big and small in this one. Yeah. It's a good win. 31, 17, two and oh, then they get ready for Texas. So it's, Oh boy, I'll be a tough one next week. Yeah. But Hey, they beat Texas tech. So just saying. Yeah, we'll see. Next game. Oh, man. Heartbreak City. Uh, you might recall in the UCF-Boise game, the over-under was like 60 points, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, not the case here. 40-yard field goal for, for the Knights to win 18-16 to over Boise State in a game where you know, Taylor Green get a little banged up. Was it his uh, knee they're looking at? Is that correct? I believe it was cramping was the cramping. was the uh, reason correct. given by Andy Avalos after the game. That's right. I was thinking of the tweet I saw where they're oh look at his leg and I thought I said that'd be a cramp. And so it's okay. That's not great in game two of the year. But this is a defensive slugfest for the most part outside of Ashton Genty, who had a great game, but also George Lonnie did not play, which come on, let him like that's so frustrating that he's either not healthy or something goes awry, whether it's uh just any issue for him not able to play or be successful because he's had outside of last year and his first year, like year two and year four, haven't been ideal for him being on the field. But Genty did as much as he could by about five yards to carry. But overall, Boise's rush defense wasn't very good. Their pass defense, we got the two picks, but Johnny Bumbley still had almost 300 yards, only eight incompletions. They moved the ball pretty well. Boise's offense, like Taylor Green, there's a reason why. Like this isn't to, like not fast or whatever, but, like, there's reason preseason. I'm like, I was not going to give him my vote for player of the year because potential is there, but we haven't seen it, seen him yet. Unlike Shavon Cordero and others. And he struggled, but nine complete, like his completions were good, but he wasn't his under 50%. He did get partially injured with the cramping, bringing the backup, but the offense passing wasn't ideal. And UCF was just kind of able to, Move the ball a bit, and like the Boise defense did 18 points. You should, Boise should not be losing games and give up 18 points and had two interceptions. Like, that's the secondary was our big concern because with Jail Skinner gone, moving on, like they, they people thought the secondary is going to have issues and they gave up yards, but they also had interceptions. Like, the very beginning of the game, the interception they the, they punted, they didn't, they didn't do anything off the interceptions. Both interceptions, they punted the ball the next time they got it, and so that's I mean, not helpful. You say it was a defensive struggle, but that's really only half true because you know, the Knights, the Knights chewed up this Broncos defense in a way that we don't see all that often. And it really came down to just a concentration of explosive plays in this game. We were, you know, UCF had 530 yards of total offense, but they also had 17 chunk plays totaling 381 yards. So, like, roughly 72% of the Knights' total offense was wrapped up in chunk plays. Yeah, but and they also were terrible was, on third down. Both teams couldn't move the ball on third down. Yeah, like, and so it was. It really was a stalemate in a lot of respects. Like, for every sort of negative or, you know, red flag that you might say for the Broncos on both sides of the ball, there was another positive, too. Like, you mentioned the third down um, you know, performance that the, the Broncos put up on defense. You know, I pointed out that in, in the winners and losers column that 
UCF was also just two of five on red zone opportunities as well. Only had nine points, and they turned it over three times inside the 20-yard line. Were they Clemson out there? What's going on? <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> Yeah. Like there it was it, it was a strange kind of thing where like you know there was this just this confluence of things where every so often, you know, something something weird would happen. And I think maybe the best example of that, I believe it was the interception by Jalen Clark, where it was it was off the receiver's hands. I think it was Kobe Hudson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clanged off of his hands and Clark was just in the right place at the right time to just go grab it out of the air and, and go down with it. So it was just, you know, little things like that that were that were able to keep Boise State in the game. But at the same time, you know, for as as uneven as, as Taylor Green did, it's, Ashton Genty was trying to do yeah. as much heavy lifting as he could to yards. be able to. Yeah. And it's worth remembering, too, that Boise State had the lead with under two minutes to go. And the defense felt with with their backup quarterback. Mm hmm. On an excellent catch and run where, where Stephen Cops fought through a tackle, you know, to break loose for the last 15, 20 yards or so. Like they tried to run the clock out in the game. The last drive was 15 plays, uh, just over six minutes, 75 yards, 13 plays, excuse me. They tried to, like, we're going to run as much clock because they scored with, uh, was it 149 left here? It was a minute 40, 40, minute 49, yeah. Yeah, when Cops had that, that touchdown you mentioned for Matson. They went for two or or whatever yeah that's it's ugh. it was they tried to they i think what they want to do because we mentioned like maybe a defensive struggle wasn't right we're just low points like inefficiency defense stepped up in good spots for both teams so their thinking was i i'm guaranteeing all of us and coach okay let's drain the clock as much as we can our defense has been good in big spots but not necessarily good overall if that makes mm-hmm. sense like they're move the ball and then okay to get their reception they stop on third down the red zone issues you mentioned and they figured a minute fifty left. Okay, it's what was it sixteen? Was it sixteen fifteen? They're up one. Okay, see what they could do. And the defense nine plays in a minute forty three, game winning field goal. And this is a four. It was not a close of the forty yarder. So it's they they held them a little bit, but they 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 had zero third downs on that drive for UCF. They did not. They only faced second down twice. So that was an issue where the defense even on the penalty. They got the first down after I'm second and fifteen. Or that, and, but like it's not wasn't yeah, good. That last drive wasn't great. Missed, wasn't missed great. tackles didn't help either. They missed a ton of tackles in this game. But like Pro Football Focus tallied fourteen of them altogether. Oof. And I think you know more more problematic. Like if if I'm looking for more specific things to be worried about, where's the pass rush? Because I thought that that might be a concern coming into the year, and they did have six quarterback hurries in this game, but you know PFF only credited them with one quarterback hit, and of course they had zero or they had one sack in this game. Yeah, only three TFLs as well. So I do think that that could be a problem as they try to figure out how to turn things around. Like, I think it was it was one thing not to expect so much of against Washington against Washington. But I did expect to see a little more from the front seven in that regard in this in this game against UCF. And so I feel like if I don't see it next week when they host North Dakota, like that to me is going to be like a really big flashing red warning sign. 
but yeah. we'll, we'll see. Like, I, like, what is your concern level with Boise State right now? Because, you know, if you were following the sort of the post game reaction on on social media, there were a lot of Broncos fans going through, you know, the five stages of grief or, or something like that, because this is the team's first zero and two start since two thousand and five. That's what I was thinking. I did. I didn't have them for him. Like, when was the last time they had this poor of a start? So here's was, the. But but again, but again, it was a walk off field goal. It was with, but, where, where after your backup quarterback had led a potential game winning drive. Yeah, but yeah, at home and Andy Avalos is terrible at home. He's only he's eight and six. That's that's so, not good. So on a scale of I, one to ten, what is your concern level with Boise State after two games? Well, I put them six in our latest power rankings. If that tells anything, um, mm-hmm. I could be like an eight. Is that too high? The, I'm. I can't tell you what's wrong or right. I know that's why I'm concerned. Like it's weird because Washington game. I thought they'd keep it close. Washington legit can win the national title. I think they're that good. Like they yeah. have a million players, and so I would like the better showing versus against them. But and then UCF, like, well, there'll, there'll be a lot of points because. Kent State must be terrible because they put it 50 plus at Kent State. And, and a couple of things like you brought concern, like John Rich Pumpley, 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 excuse me. Yes, there were two picks. One was the, the tip. He only had eight incompletions. He carved them up for 270 yards. Secondaries knew, which we already knew and inexperienced, and they did not well, show it, very it well. It is and it isn't, though. Yeah, but I know. I mean, but... in terms of like, in terms of like new full time starters, it is relatively new, but everybody in that secondary. Yeah, with with maybe the exception of Markel Reed because he's been hurt for most of the last two years. Mm-hmm. Everybody has been around for for a pretty good while. Like Rodney Robinson and Sayo Ladipo and Alex Tuker. It was pointed out on social media as the game progressed, they were starting to give some more younger guys maybe a little more run. Like Ty Benefield was starting to see more snaps at safety, for example. You know, depending on how things shake out, you know, maybe they open up that competition a little bit more than they would have expected to coming into the year. But I mean, I don't think it's as brand new in the defensive backfield as it might seem at first glance. Okay, it's not brand new. They didn't play well, right? Like, well, we and, and, and on top games. of that, like the talent level at Boise, theoretically, or at least on paper, or at least that's what we keep being told, is higher. Than just about everywhere else in the conference as well. Then show us. So show that us I think that shows. I think is where the most concern stems from. Well, yeah, I know the rankings aren't hundred percent accurate, but then UCF is might be middle of pack Big Twelve team. We've only seen a little bit couple here and there for what's going on, yeah. and they're a new Big Twelve team, obviously. But they're not going to conference that league. I don't think there's any chance it'd be Texas, Oklahoma, or even Texas Tech, who even though they lost Wyoming, they gave Oregon a really good game the other day. Um, and Kansas is still really good. Kansas State's good. TCU's not bad. Like they're gonna might finish seven and five, maybe at best. But like, my concern, no pass rush. If you have no pass rush and your secondary is not very good, what do you have on defense? The rushing defense also was terrible in this game as well. Six yards of carry. There literally was not like besides the low scoring and stepping up kind of when it mattered. The yardage. I know the yardage per place and everything because they were in this game till the end. But when you look at when plays were made. UCF made a lot more on offense compared to Boise State stopping them on defense. I I would not disagree. So that's why my concern level is that high. The offense, outside of Ashton Genty, what do they have? Not much from the looks of it. 
Stephen Cobb's okay. We're being told, oh, there's no Khalil Shakir or all these amazing receivers they've had in the past of four, five, six, seven guys. Who are they? They're only five players catch a pass, and four were three were wide receiver, and one was a tight end. That's not good. That's not a good offense. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. Like you, you know what they got to do? They got to go out and do what San Jose State did, and and other teams that we'll talk about in a little bit. They got to do that to North Dakota next week to ease a lot of minds. They have San Jose State, they have Wyoming, they have Fresno State, they have Utah State, they have Air Force on the schedule. San Diego State, we'll see. Like, schedule's mm. not easy. That's right. We'll see if the Aztecs a couple weeks. Just, oof, not sh- sure about them, but let's get to the uh, saddest game of the week. I wish I had a sad trombone. You were correct, Matt. I don't think you wanted to be this correct. 33-6 Idaho over Nevada. Not Feels even that bad, close. Man. Is it a bad thing? I saw. I was looking at Twitter earlier today, this morning. People were saying it's an act of desperation, which it kind of is, or like an elitist type thing to force the students to win a thousand bucks to stay for raffle at the end of the game. How do you feel? I mean, a thousand bucks is a thousand bucks. That's what I'm going to say. I know. I'm like. I would. I. I would, I would tolerate bad football for a thousand bucks. A thousand bucks. I've. I've done it for a lot less. Yeah. I've. Yeah. So. Where do we begin? The sec the past defense was terrible. And also Idaho, they're far enough removed from FBS team where there shouldn't be any residuals of them having enough to hang around for the most part. Because when did they move down? Like twenty eighteen? Do you remember when they dropped? Yeah, out? something like that. And they and they had a few down years and then you know, in the last two seasons they've really turned it around. Like last year they were a playoff team. And this year, at least as if if you watched this as much of this game as I did. Um, it would not shock me if they ended up in the playoffs again because they went out and were just flat out the better team in Reno yesterday. And it wasn't close. Like it was we not were hope- close. We were hopeful seeing the quarterback situation for Nevada for, okay, what they played last week. Okay, Brendan Lewis did okay. Not good this game. They brought in A.J. Bianco. Not, did not do very well either. Running game outside of a couple big runs, which was nice by Sean Dollars, but Jamal Bell, there you go. Get eight catches. Like, there's not like the offense just stalled out and couldn't score points. Like the rush defense or receiving sorry, not, well, rush defense was whatever was fine. It wasn't I, that was okay, but like look how many big plays. The biggest thing in sicker. Look how many big plays they had. They had at least seven plays over twenty more yards. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? Like Ken Wilson's supposed to be defensive coach here. What's the deal? Idaho was aggressive. I don't know, man. Going for, Converting on and and making all three fourth down attempts, they knew they could get this one third down. I guess the only positive they were third and twelve, three and twelve on third downs for Idaho. So Nevada's defense did make a few plays when it came down to be third and whatever. But there was no fight. There was nothing. The AP headline: McCoy Idaho demolished Nevada and lopsided win. That shouldn't be the case if you play FCS team. Like losses happen. I know CSU got their butt kicked. Who was it last year? Who did they lose to by a lot of points? Uh, Incarnate Word, right? You know, that was Nevada last year. Oh, they lost back to back FCS. Oh, boy. I was thinking of a CSU. But when you give up this Oh, points, uh, that was Sacramento State. That's right. Okay. With the Trent Coach Taylor there. Um, this is ridiculous. This is a team and a program that doesn't care about football, right? 
they had to stretch to find money to pay Ken Wilson because they're that's why Jane Orville left. They weren't paying or committed. And seeing Jane Orville do what he did a couple of years, winning and doing well, makes it seem like this literally, depending on the coach, is one of the worst jobs in college football. Yeah, I mean it's it's not good, man. And it's it's hard to see where there's gonna be a lot of room for improvement because you know, the the offensive line, I don't think it's very good. You know, they gave a, you know, PFF says that they gave up 13 hurries in uh I don't even know how many dropbacks that, that Lewis and Bianco had combined. It was 36 dropbacks altogether. So basically, like what, one of every three pass attempts, their quarterback was under pressure. They had six, no sacks, but six TFLs. Yeah, and, and and Lewis only had one interception, but you know the, it, they also marked him down as having four different turnover-worthy plays as well. <laughs> so, yeah, the, and and I'm just I'm not sold that he's the answer, and and most of the reason why Bianco saw the field is because you know he took a hit and ended up you know leaving the field to play for a little bit, but like. Mm-hmm. You know they they can barely stretch the field. The running game is not very good. The 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 blocking is not very good in any particular respect. The defense is is fighting the good fight, but I just don't know if they have the talent mm-hmm. to be able to make a difference. Because you know they they had only I mean they had three sacks in in seven TFLs, but as you mentioned, they gave up a ton of chunk plays to the Vandals. And so like to it's really disconcerting to see. I don't know what to say is good about this, right? There's nothing. Like, it's okay. not good. I'll say this they had seven TFLs, they had three sacks, so there's that. That's something. But the defense presented little resistance overall. Like the third down conversion I mentioned, 14 did 15 yards per pass. Not catch per pass compared to four for Nevada. Three point. Yeah, and it's not, and it's not like they didn't have chances to really set the tone in this game either. You know, their first five drives all ended on Idaho's side of the field. Three of them ended inside the Idaho thirty, and they got six points out of it. And then on their final six drives, they crossed midfield exactly one time and turned it over on downs. It's not good. It's I, yeah, they're and oh, and by the way, Kansas comes to town next week, which most years that would not seem like a big deal, but like Kansas is actually good for a change again. So things could get a lot uglier before they get better. Yeah, Kansas is a good team. All right, let's move on. Next game, what do we have here? We have another lackluster performance by a team, San Diego State hosting UCLA 35 10. The second quarter was. Where basically crushed the Aztecs. 20, Got like away from them there, yeah. Yeah, 21 points. Where, yeah, 7 7 first half, first quarter. But as you may, I think you put on Twitter, like Dante Moore, he's a pretty good quarterback. Not bad for a fresh, true freshman out there throwing the ball, doing um, whatever he was able to do. Like he did yeah, 17 to 27, 290 yards and three touchdowns, which was a lot. The rushing, here's the thing San Diego State had to throw the ball 37 times. Never a good thing. The one thing we they've always been good at the past couple. Of, well, okay, excuse me. Twenty. It's been four seasons. I'll go three and a half because the first half of twenty twenty was with Greg Bell is good. They have not been a good running team in three years. Okay, you're not a good running team. 
you don't have a quarterback at the moment. Jalen made him through three interceptions, made him throw the ball 37 times. Their defense is not elite anymore. What do they have? There's not much there to be excited about. And they're touting, and I know before the year, oh, we're going to Pac-12, we're doing this. I'm like, you are not a good football team, guys. I know it's not all wins or losses, but they're not a good team. Like, UCLA, 2-0, their fringe ranked team, I, I'll check the ranking. They're, they're the in moment. the top 25 now. Yeah, there's like a million Pac-12 teams ranked. But they're at home. Okay, cool. This is the team where it's almost like going back to Chuck Long years where they're one of the worst teams in college football. I know they're not that bad, but they're again with like Nevada show. I know they're better than Nevada. They're just no slight, like they're not comparing the two, but show me any positives here. They give up 35 points. They give up 250 yards rushing, almost 300 yards passing, no turnovers. They nearly fumble the ball twice, recover. Like they're fumble the ball. Like there's nothing going well for them. Like, Mikai Shaw, okay, one touchdown, cool. But they threw a lot of receivers, which is helpful. But, again, you're not throwing 37 times to win games with, with San Diego State. I like to throw the ball more. It's more fun when they do that, but that's not the case. And they were minus, minus one of the turnover margins with the two intercept, three interceptions, excuse me. Could have been five, those fumbles that, that weren't – or they recovered fumbles, excuse me, wrong thing looking at. But they were over almost doubled in yards given up in the game. They gave up six and a half yards running the ball against them. To every time the ball was thrown in the air, it was a first down on per average. Like, you still he's good, but they're not that good. They're probably finished fifth in the Pac-12. I think UCLA might be pretty good this year. That still I, might be good I, enough I, for fifth. In, they're not better than Oregon, not better than Washington, like, you, probably you not better than Oregon State, talking. not USC. You know how we were talking in week zero, week one about like how it's really hard to take away anything from like these blowouts, you know, like Boise State, Washington and San Jose State versus USC and and Oregon Mm -hmm. State and things like that. To me, this is sort of in that territory, at least a little bit. But I will say that I expected more from the Aztecs. And so by that measure, I am a little bit disappointed. But I do think... But I but I think that UCLA is 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 a very talented team. I think you know they they showed up and you know took what I what I still think could be a pretty good team, if not necessarily like a top tier conference contender type of team, to the woodshed. You know, Moore had a very good game. You know, they're the Bruins' top two running backs basically did whatever they wanted to. TJ Harden and Carson Steele each averaged at least seven yards per carry. Yeah, they were, and their their receivers were very slippery too. Like Logan Moya, four catches, seventy seven yards, and a touchdown. Josiah Norwood had a long catch and run for a touchdown. Um, so and and then also, you know, Maiden was under fire pretty much all game long. You know, the Bruins only had three sacks, but they did have three or they did have ten TFLs. You know, the, if you look at stat broadcast, they had you know three quarterback hurries. Pro Football Focus counts Maiden as having been pressured 16 total times in that game. So it wasn't like he always had a lot of time to operate and make the most ideal positions. But at the same time, I think it is fair to say that he was sloppy when he had the chances in the second half in particular, which is when all those all of those interceptions happened. You know, he just like there was a couple of them that were just like not good decisions or not the best throw that he could have made. But also like there were other instances where the Aztecs didn't necessarily help themselves either. Like the one that jumps out to me 
was I believe they were down 28 to seven late in the first half and Maiden threw a perfect throw to Josh Nicholson and Nicholson just straight up dropped it in the end zone and they had to settle for a field goal after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's little things like that that aren't going to show up obviously on the stat sheet that could just as easily turn around. So I don't know if I'm necessarily pushing the panic button just yet for these Aztecs. But, you know, given that they they themselves have to play Oregon State next week on the road, I believe, you know, they are going to have to step up and, and put in a lot of work on practice this week to make sure that next week's game isn't just more of the same. You know, I think they still have the talent, but there is definitely plenty to clean up. Like, you know, they were they got into the red zone twice on Saturday, turned it over both times, you know, only five to 17 on third downs. So they they did some nice things, but some nice things weren't going to be enough against a team as good as UCLA looks like they could be this year. I'll say this before I move on. They are playing Brady Hoke is a defensive – well, he likes his spread offense, but he's a defensive guy. You have a true freshman quarterback, and you can't fluster him at all at home. You can't cause him to have any concern or not play well or have bad trip-ups or bad plays or – or anything that goes poorly, you would think that even though it's UCLA, you would think you could cause some disruption, and they did not. So that's why I'm more overly concerned. Where they didn't, I know it's overreact. It's week, week two. They played three games for the Aztecs, but they nearly beat Idaho State. They barely beat Ohio with their backup quarterback. They would, they would be Owen. They'd be one and two if if Bork would have played the whole game versus in Ohio, the Ohio game. There's a reason, like they're. No, I don't see them as a, I don't see them as a team that could do much in the conference at this moment in time. Most things change. They have to run the ball. That's better. what I'm saying. They've got they've got plenty right. left to prove, but I'm not pushing the panic button just yet. I kind of am. Three interceptions. But, but I think the... I think that might just come down to the fact that I think UCLA could be a little bit better than you do. I do, but really quick in the Pac-12, who who's like they're not better than USC, they're not better than Washington, not better than Oregon. I don't think they're better than Utah if Cam Rice ever comes back. They're probably even with Oregon State. That's number five in the Pac-12. This UCLA they, team, they might looks, still they might still win nine or ten games though. Yeah, but they still might be fifth or sixth and play the conference champ in the LA Bowl. Well, considering how well the Pac, the Pac-12 is gangbusters right now, they're the best so that's conference not, in the country. That's, that's not that's not necessarily even damning with faint praise. Like that's still pretty good. Well, it is. I know, but I don't. Yeah, you're right. All right, next game. Let's move on. I don't want to discuss this. I'm, Aztec fans already hate me all the time anyways. Air Force 13, Sam Houston State 3. <laughs> Winning ugly. This is a snore fest if it is ever won this weekend. Defensive rock fight? 13 to 3. So I mentioned I watched the, I watched the entire Sam Houston State BYU game where I also almost fell asleep. Like it was boring to say as well, 14 to 0 for, for working. Air Force had to work extra hard for any rushing yard they wanted. Like, same Houston State, who's a conference USA, USA that's going to score on them, right? Jacksonville State, UTEP? Like, is the pickaxe offense going to work for them Like when they play same Houston State if they play them? But, like, Air Force worked for every yard. They averaged a modest, not Air Force-like, but 4.1 yards per carry, which was, which is fine, on 59 attempts. They had no. They had very few big rushing plays. They had, I think, at least f- about five-ish, maybe seven, ten plus yards per play. 
They had one deep throw that was incomplete. That would have been nice, but didn't go through for Zach Clear, QB there. But Air Force, also, give credit Air Force defense. Like, they shut down anything San Diego State wanted to do. 36 rush. They, what Air, what San Diego, or excuse me, Sam Houston, they have 100 yards offense? 80. They even crack, 80? I was wondering, they crack 100? One, no. 1.8 yards per play in this game. And, and you know, credit where credit is due. Like, yeah, yeah, the running game stalled. Mm-hmm. But still four Air yards to carry, absolutely, though. Still four absolutely, yards to carry. <laughs> still four yards to carry. I mean, but the, but the, but like as you mentioned, that is very yeah. on Falcons like. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, even with one hand tied behind their proverbial back, like the defense was awesome. Yeah, and in particular, Bo Richter was awesome. You know, four, four tackles, two sacks. One quarterback hit. You know, Pro Football Focus credited him with four quarterback hurries altogether, nine total pressures. Like he was a man on fire in that game. And then you know, between he and Alec Mock, who led the team with eleven carries, you know, that front seven made sure that the Bearcats were going to be going anywhere, and yeah. that basically bears itself out no matter how you want to slice it. You know, they were you know, the Bearcats were three of thirteen on third downs. You know. Didn't get past? Did they get past midfield one time in this the game? Fumble. They did. Yeah, because the, they, 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 they off it. of a fumble. Yeah, I was gonna say like it was three to zero straight out into the fumble at midfield of their own accord. You know, outside of that that fumble drive, which again that drive was only thirty three yards for a field goal. Their yeah, next exactly. longest drive was twenty one yards. Air Force forced. I'm counting the numbers here: six three and outs in nine total drives. Dominant. They had dominant, dominant. Yeah, yeah they have cutting real quick on that. This is drives fewer than ten yards. Minus two, one total yard, three total yards, eight total yards, uh, minus four yards, three yards. Every possession, but I think two were fewer than ten yards. And one was a punt, and that went twenty-one yards. <laughs> Like so, you know, even... they, they had to they had to fight their way out of a phone booth in this one, but credit, <laughs> credit is due. You know, we, we thought the Falcons were going to have a very good defense coming into the year, mm-hmm. and, and you know, at least for one Saturday, they looked every bit the part. And we'll see. Like in the same Eastern State, they're up moving up from FCS, but they're no joke FCS team. Like won the twenty twenty one spring national title. They remember when New Mexico brought in Bob the Beast, I believe he was running that offense mm-hmm. for the. Um, what is the same Houston State even mascot? What are they? Bearcats? Wildcats? Bearcats. Bearcats. Yeah. yeah, Bearcats are the K. That's right. And like, like he took that to Mexico, and they did quite well for a couple of years when they were pesky and trying to win the division titles. So they're they're a known team, but I it's also a little concerning the offense couldn't get going. You think they do a little bit better, but this was the fourth quarter. It finally took those last little bit drive where same Houston State just on just on their part. Couldn't keep it going. Air Force still set up for a field goal on a 13-play drive that took seven minutes and only went 45 yards. They started yeah, in their the own 30. Line, the, the Falcons' offensive line definitely battled a little bit. You know, yeah. Sam Houston had two sacks in the game. Uh, you know, four TFLs, which may not sound like much until you realize that Air Force only ran 62 plays. So it's not, not a terrible rate. Yeah. Um, but it's also worth keeping in mind that Larrier also had, you know, he was one of three. But you know the the two passes that weren't complete were also dropped. Yeah. So there's that to keep in mind as well. So again, little things that I think could you know very easily turn around from a week to week basis and could make the Falcons more potent as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. But for today, for, for for this week, 
you know, you, you, I think there is definitely a lot of nitpicking you could do. But for the most part, I think, you know, the Falcons were able to lean on their strength and that was able to help them get the job done. All right, next game. What do we got here? Let's kind of wrap through these guys. We have a few left. New Mexico, 56. We're halfway done. 10, Tennessee Tech. Matt, are you right on Dylan Hopkins' experience doing quite well, doing well for the Lobos, at least in this particular matchup? Or That's the, and, and again, just just like we talked about with San Jose State, just <laughs> like we talk, like we will talk about with at least one other team in a minute. Exactly what I wanted to see from this Lobos offense: five hundred and eighty-seven yards of total offense, ten and a half yards per play. What? Like obviously, obviously, I'm not expecting them to do that every single week. Oh please, come on! <laughs> but they they lit up this team in the way that I hoped that they would. You know, Hopkins had four area. touchdown passes. Yeah, three rushing touchdowns, including a long of 55 yards. Also had another one of 48 yards as well. Like, he, he's come out of nowhere, and he he's really seized that that running back one job. And I think what is, mo- what is most encouraging is that a lot of different receivers were able to get in on the action. You know, Caleb Medford, the TCU transfer, had a long, only one catch, but it was a 49-yard catch that set up a short touchdown. You know, DJ Washington had a red zone touchdown. Luke Weissong scored and led the team with with four catches and 53 yards. Well, three catches they over 40 plus get, yards. They were able to get a lot of players involved. And they were able to do some of the things that I think they wanted to do last year and just did not have the talent to be able to do. And, and then on the a... defensive side of the ball, same kind of thing. Um, you know, Tennessee Tech was nine of 17 on third downs. So like that sort of... Not great. Yeah, it's 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 it is what it is, but I think a lot of those came later in the game, where it was you know not like early in the game. It was I think they were what they were one of five on their first third down tries. Let's put it that way. Yeah, after the touchdown, uh, they they were forced to punt under next three possessions and then fumbled as well on their fourth on their fourth one after the opening drive touchdown. But you know, and, and by the same token. You know, New Mexico was also very active on the defensive side of the ball as well. Eight pass breakups as a team held Tennessee Tech under four yards per play. And they did it, you know, while also, you know, playing without a couple of their key players. You know, Tavian Combs, I don't think, played in this game. But they found other guys to step up, like Zach Morris had a couple of pass breakups. Dimitri Johnson, a linebacker, had a key fumble, uh, forced fumble in the game. So... Again, the, we don't need to maybe spend a, a ton of time on this, but yeah. I think if you're the Lobos fan, you know you were you were saying you were hearing that this was going to be a much different team coming into the year, and you know coming off of last week against Texas A and M, that was always probably going to be a, a sort of a, a a lackluster stage on which to prove that. But you know this is, I think, a, a well deserved remedy for this. For this roster, it was good. Confidence is what they needed, which they typically don't have. So, I like what happened to Hopkins. Again, the running game was very explosive. Everything went well for them this game. So, they've got a lot of good vibes going into that rivalry game next week against New Mexico State. Yeah, and we'll see. And they don't look as good as we thought they would. So, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, good, good showing. They flipped the script winning after losing 52 10 Texas AM. So, next game is, oh boy, Utah State 78. Idaho State 28. Utah State scored a program record 44 points in the second quarter. 44 points in one quarter, Matt. 
It was seven to seven after the first quarter. It was. There was a time. It was fun. I was looking. This game was. I was working at this time. So this game was on the TV next to us when I was doing it at the office. But there's a point. I was joking. There's live odds in this game. It was 50 and a half. I think it's at halftime when it was um, 51 14. The actual live game odds were 50 and a half. And of course, they went by 50. <laughs> yeah, this was really a game where where literally everything that could go right for the Aggies did go right for them. By brushing touchdown, Robert Briggs showed up. Rashard Fazion, excuse me, Rashul Fazion showed up. Levi Williams finally got t- touchdown passing in this game. Like Cooper Legault was got two of them even. Two double, yeah, fourteen sixty for Cooper Legault. This is the game where he pulled him out. All right, let's see what Levi Williams has. They brought in McKay Hillstead. The uh, receiving Trevon had I think had ten catches in the first half. I want to say. Uh, I believe overall. he ended up with 11 in the first half. Oh, all 11 in the first half. I know I saw 1.10 very early on. Or no, he some... ended up he ended up with two third-quarter catches, including a touchdown, so I stand corrected. Okay, I forget what it was. There's something where he had a – well, he played well, but there's something where I saw, like, oh, he had this many receptions early on. Like, they, everybody played, like, outside of him, receiving group. They spread it to everybody. Um, did they, have, they had, what, nine TFLs, eight TFLs? Like that second quarter, they just embarrassed Idaho State. Like, and here's the thing too: Idaho State still put up a lot of yards on this defense, passing passing the ball over 300 yards with three quarterbacks. So, if we want to nitpick at all, despite Ike Larson having a great game in secondary, with um, he had a TFL. Did he have an interception as well? I want to say, right? Yeah, he had for Legon, pick six. No. no, 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 no. Ike oh, Larson. Oh yeah. Sorry, pick six. For Ike Larson. Yeah, he, and he defense. wasn't even the he wasn't even the only. A Utah State player with pick six, Jaden Francois, also had a pick six in the fourth Correct. quarter. Correct. So, I saw that. I'm like, are they going to get 80? I'm like, not quite. But that's if we're going to have any concern, Idaho State did throw the ball quite well against this team with multiple quarterbacks. Yeah, and I mean, I think it. It, that might – I mean, you could make a case that that might be nitpicking a little bit, although – No, it totally is. <laughs> well, yes and no, because in the in the first half, which again, the, the, score, the score is 51 to 14 by halftime. Yeah, I know, crazy. But it is worth noting that, yeah, it is it is pretty clear after the, after the two games that Idaho State played against both the Aztecs and the Aggies that they, they are a pass-first team. And so they threw the ball 27 times and had 175 yards – that's, I mean, the, you know, the the Aggies allowed five and a half yards per play in the first half, and that's probably fine, all things considered. Like, you know, the, the yards per attempt average, like the raw total seems like a lot, but it still comes out to only six and a half yards per attempt. So it wasn't like they were getting lit up. Idaho State had more first downs than Utah State, <laughs> 28 to 23. Yeah, um, but I, like I said, I think a lot of that I had know. to do with the fact that they were they had twice as many, they had nearly twice as many in the second half as they did in the first half, oh, they, and the Aggies still outscored them 24, 27 to fourteen after halftime anyway. No, I no, I get. It. I'm just kind of looking around, like, okay, what could we kind of concern ourselves with or look to see? But this is just a dominant performance. Defense played well, obviously. Pick sixes, they had long offensive drive, or not long offensive drive, but good offensive drives. Um, I guess. Third down could be a little better, five of ten, but that's still pretty good. They went for the fourth down twice, converted both. They had no turnovers. They're plus three. Like this is just not to say the second quarter they just crushed it. And they, this is a game. Like here's a thing we're spending so much time on a game, but they scored seven eight points. They got they got the reverse showing against Weber State last year. They got the Alabama loss. The first half last year was terrible. I think they wanted to show, and then 
the Iowa game, like they were real outside of being down 14 0. That game was extremely close. They lost by 10 points last week to Iowa, who's now number 25th in the country somehow. But this is a good showing for a team that last year where they want to show that they're consistent and that they're good because they were Jekyll and Hyde, which I've said all offseason from last year, where first half not great, second half good, but also injuries. They played multiple quarterbacks. They played Davenport. They played Levi Williams. They played Cooper Legat. They played Logan Bonner. And so getting those guys healthy and playing well. They're just continuing what they did at the end of last year. Yeah, I was going to say that um, you know, with so many new faces on this year's team, like this is sort of the template for, for everything that I'm sure the coaching staff expected to see. You know, getting Anthony Switzer back from, from injury and him being a heat-seeking missile in the defensive backfield. You know, getting Terrell Vaughn some help from guys like Jalen Royals and Micah Davis. Um, getting a much, much, much more effective overall performance, efficient overall performance from Cooper Laga, getting a lot of help from the ground game, not just Briggs, but Fison and Davon Booth. Mm-hmm. It's obviously not going to be like this every single week. <laughs> That'd be nice. 50 point wins. But, but, yeah. it, but it's, the ki- it's the kind of thing that does make you sit up and take notice. It does. Next game, your Fresno State Bulldogs. Victors over Easter Washington Eagles, double overtime, 34-31. They get the victory off of an interception when the Eagles were attempting to uh, get the game-time field goal or get a first down to convert for a game-winning touchdown. It was the only interception. It was Lavelle Bailey was the only interception in the game, or in the game for Fresno State. It was because Easter Easter Washington, they're they're not what they used to be, but they're still a high-quality FCS program. They were able to throw the ball pretty well with the uh, kick of Asparis. They ran the ball reasonably, a couple touchdowns, a couple big rushing plays. But I was kind of um, not super satisfied with Fresno State moving the ball. Like the running game, they scored touchdowns, could have been better, but they just kind of stalled out the same period there. And Eastern Washington was able to uh, force them on third downs because Fresno State missed 11 opportunities. They were only 4 15 on third downs. They had more penalties in Eastern Washington. They were. Let's see, they outgained them by actually no, they did not outgain them. They're even exactly. Sorry, my mistake on this. On a per play, they're slightly outgained, but it was a thing where Fresno State's kind of like, uh, third down, sure, why not? I thought it'd be different because Easter Washington was aggressive. They went for it on fourth and one in their first drive. Fresno turned around three plays, touchdown. I'm like, oh, this game's gonna be over. Not the case. And Fresno had to take advantage of fumbles to score. That was a big play too, when they had the fumble that they returned for a touchdown after four plays later. Mm-hmm. Those were key, those were key plays. After that, it was just uh, a whole lot of punting going on until the second half started going. Yeah, I mean, I know that Jeff Tedford said after the game that he wasn't really satisfied with the way that the game shook out, and like, and I can totally understand that. But like, do you think that there is anything about this performance that can't be easily corrected? Um, I think yeah, they could. No, I. Eastern Washington's a good team. You would. It's I mean, like I think, always, I think if I'm looking at anything, yeah, you, know, you mentioned the fact there were only four fifteen on third downs. That's not great. I think a major factor in this game is they were behind, like behind the eight ball, so to speak, in those kinds of situations. I think a lot more so than they were in the opener against Purdue, like on average, their, their third down situation was an average of third and nine yards. Yeah. Which would explain why 
you know, one, they didn't have any third and short situations in this game. That's all. That's also a problem on first and second down, not just the third down situation. If that's the case, yeah, and and they were th- and they were only three three of seven on on third and long situations. So on on nine or more yards, you know that was sort of the uh, one of the small differences in this game compared to last week. I'm trying to look up real quick what that average third down was for them against Purdue. And uh, okay, so it was only five point seven against Purdue. Which I think does a lot to explain why they were 11 of 17 in that one, mm-hmm. and maybe less efficient overall here. But I think I think you also have to give Eastern Washington credit for continually being willing to push the envelope because while they were only seven of 18, they also managed four, you know, five different fourth down attempts and converted on three of them as well. They knew that to win they had to be aggressive, and it nearly paid off. Yeah, so I think that isn't necessarily something that Fresno State is going to face every week as well. So while Correct. it did definitely get a lot closer than, you know, for comfort, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is cause for mild concern, especially since Arizona State coming up next week is one of those teams that has a lot of talent, but through two games doesn't seem to put it all together just yet. Let me give you some positive here. Six drives for Eastern Washington or fewer that were resulted in a punt or a fumble. And I believe, if I'm if I'm looking at this correctly, were seven plays or fewer. Mm-hmm. So there's that to consider as well. So the defense play well. If you're honest about it, it's just that it's just the the sec, second half really, and then the touchdown points like whatever you start at the 25 yard line. That's not terribly difficult to stop. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna score mm-hmm. points. Like even really good defenses allow touchdowns in overtime, and so you don't even count that drive. They only had 24 points in regulation, and the drives they did had, like that 10 play drive, like the two, they had multi- two, three plays, or excuse me, two drives that were 10 plus plays. That's not great. Like they went down 11 plays in both their drives. The 10 play drive was three and a half minutes. The 11 play drive was almost five minutes, a little bit kind of slower. But there's just, if you think about it, it's only two big drives because the other touchdown was 62 yards or nearly at midfield. Mm-hmm. So it, think about it, it's like it's, uh, if I'm trying to break it down like micro, look at this and that. Only two drives in this game really killed the defense. Outside of that, they played extremely well. I know it's a whole game. You got to play the whole 60 and all that stuff, but the only concern were those two touchdown drives. The third one as well, I guess, seven, the seven-play one, but still, those were the, those long ones where they converted on, what, two, two third downs on one drive, and then the other one, mm-hmm. let's see real quick if I have in front of me here. They converted on one, two, three. No, they went fourth fourth down. So one of those fourth downers was a touchdown. So it's not like the defense was not great, but like they played reasonably well. It's just a couple drives where they which you need to show up if you're gonna play better teams, clearly. But like, well, here, here's yard. another thing too that came out after the fact. Did you notice Cam Lockridge didn't play the second half? Yeah, I was wondering about that. Because I, I tuned this game late and I didn't hear his name in the second half. What was there? Yeah, so it, so it, it came out from uh, from Gabe Camarillo of the local ESPN of uh, radio affiliate that I guess he had violated team rules, which is why he sat out the second half. Why and so one of the things weird. So one of the things that I think is is definitely going to be, I, I would imagine a point of emphasis in practice this week. We talked about it earlier. Uh, I forget with which team. The Bulldogs also had eleven missed tackles on defense in this game. 
And coincidentally enough, the guy who replaced Lockridge in the second half, Alzola on Hamilton, had three of them. So I think, you know, spending time on the fundamentals, just getting back to basics and, and getting Lockridge back, presumably for a full four quarters, is going to be something that will make a difference against Arizona, Arizona State and other teams' weeks to come. I think they'll be all right. It's just um, East Washington's also a good team. They're just cleaning up a few things, and that's why I dropped them from number one to number two in my power rankings this week. So. Yeah. And we're at the final game of the day, the late game, which I'm assuming um, – did you watch much of Hawaii U-Albany with the midnight? Oh, man. I mean, that, that's that's tough for me that I'm not, <laughs> now that I'm on the East Coast. No, I, I didn't watch as many of the highlights as I could, though. So here's what I want to say. I put my fight – like. The running shoot is a full effect, right? Clearly. And what I watched a little bit. I don't watch all of this, but I watched some of it right up a little bit. But Brandon Schrager leads the country in total yards passing, even though he's played an extra game. Four touchdowns is amazing. Dude, quit throwing the ball. Quit turning the ball over. Three picks. That cannot happen if they're if – they're, not that we expect Hawaii to be great, but they let Albany hang around. It was tied at halftime, 17 apiece. The defense picked it up in the second or second half, third or fourth quarter for just that field goal. But man, they cannot let team like if he throws three picks, it gets a better team. Like that's why they lost to Vanderbilt. He had the fade at the goal line, interception, game over. Had another interception to end the game versus Vanderbilt, where could have kept the drive going. That's probably my biggest concern is them being minus one turnover margin. They did get two on their own, like recovered a pick and an interception. But if they're gonna take the next step, they can't turn the ball over and one other positive, I guess, Brady, not Brady Schrager, sorry, Jordan Johnson ran the ball pretty well. The running game actually showed up and had more than like eight yards, which they had last week or something, where they had mm-hmm. with Johnson going with 76 yards. And then Tyler Hines, Tyler Hines, eh, hey, he kept his average up, not four for 30. That's seven point, almost seven yards a carry. So he, but he doesn't have the, uh, the volume to keep that going. So that was a nice positive for them to run the ball pretty well. But that first half with the interceptions, eh, they, they got to clean that up if they're going to, maybe get to a bowl game if that's even in the cards for them, which I don't know if I'd say that yet. Yes. Yeah, so here's the thing though. Like I think, I think Hawaii's offensive line is still very much a work in progress. Like PFF says notes that, you know, Hawaii allowed 15 quarterback pressures, seven quarterback hurries to, you know, to the great Danes. And then, you know, that bears itself out. And just the, the simple fact that Albany managed five sacks in this game. You know, one thing I wrote about going into the game was, you know, can they put the clamps on someone like Anton Jukaj, who in their season opener against Fordham had four sacks and this one, he had two more. Um, So, you know, Albany has got some talent and it wasn't like, like you can't necessarily put it all on Shager because, you know, in addition to the quarterback hurry, it's like his time to throw was just way lower. Oh, yeah. Well, i you got to figure that out a little bit. It's not all his fault, but I hear you. Yeah, and and it also didn't help that you know Hawaii also dropped four different passes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know their willingness to sort of let him let it fly does pay dividends, and it did in this game. Like there was the one catch that Jalen Walt called made. I think it was his touchdown catch. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable athleticism. Yeah, on that one. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, even though, you know, Profeli Ashlock wasn't, did, what didn't find his way into the end zone, still had four catches for 74 yards. Stephen McBride, Kansas transfer, had a big game, seven to, or seven catches on 10 targets, 72 yards, two touchdowns. Jonah Pinoke had a nice game, four catches and a touchdown. So, you know, they have, I think, the skill position talent that they like. I think ultimately it seems pretty clear that their ceiling for this year is going to be is going to depend at least in part on how well the offensive line coalesces as things progress. Yeah, but I think but I think if you're looking for signs of encouragement, it's that the defense also stepped up and had a very good game in this one. Yeah, they had we were nine nine TFLs, four sacks. They had a um, they have a no, that was Albany had the pick six. No, the defense yeah, did Ezra, show up and Ezra, well. Emma, uh, Ezra Evai Imalo was a guy that I thought might be a potential breakout candidate this year after playing pretty well in limited snaps last year. Four tackles, two sacks, three TFLs to lead the way in this one. You know, Tariq oh, they... Jones had a big you know tackle for a loss or a big sack. And I think most importantly, you know, we knew coming into the game that you know Reese Poppenbarger, the Albanese quarterback, could be dangerous. 10 of 13, 93 yards and an interception. No, hold on, hold on. 10 of 31. <laughs> or excuse me, did I say 10 of 13? I meant to yeah. say 10 of 31. Flip it there. No, and they mm-hmm. held him in check. That'll play. Like that's a that's a big win for the Hawaii defense right oh, yeah. there. And the one, one of the seven points was a pick six with a shaker. So it's not like Albany's offense put up 20 themselves. They put up just yeah. uh, 14. Is that right by week three? Week two, excuse me. Some teams have played three games. Week two is in the books. We ready to do this again? <laughs> I'm, I'm always ready. It's, it's that time ready. of year. I'm always ready. <laughs> always ready. So we'll be back next time. MWWire.com. Check out our recap throughout, bull stuff, all sorts of uh, weirdness things we do. But if you like the show this far, tell a friend, subscribe. Say, hey, these guys are well, not too bad. And uh, we'll ju- we'll be back probably Wednesday to preview week three of Mount West Football. And so have fun until then. And if you want to celebrate, if you lost, uh, just uh, hope your team does better. <laughs>